The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And today we welcome Alex Thompson from Independence Day Minute. Uh, hey, hi, it's me. I'm here. <laughs> welcome to prison. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I, 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 I'm gentle. Uh, I'm a gentle soul. Please don't hurt me. In, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, wh- whoever, whoever's a bitch I gotta be, I'll, I'll, uh... Well, then you're lucky, because actually, at this point of the movie, um, the escape from New York has occurred. And we're not in prison anymore. Oh, right. Yeah! <laughs> you don't have to be anybody's bitch, but your own. It's great. <laughs> you made it out. <laughs> Self-bitching. Oh, right. <laughs> Well, we are on uh, Minute 94, and uh, Minute 94 begins with some great final banter between Hauk and Snake, and it ends up with the president addressing the cameras, uh, looking very cleaned up in gray. So we start... Yeah. Oh, sorry, uh, go ahead. No, I just, I just, before you got it, I just want to say this is the last full minute of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I didn't quite grasp that until I, I mean, because I knew that we were, were coming to the end here. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is this is it. Alex, you're joining us for the 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 end times. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. I think you hear that have a lot. Escaped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm familiar with end times uh, covering <laughs> Independence Day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're, we're going a little out of order here, but Donald Pleasance does a passable American accent, I think. Yes, he he has been complimented by multiple guests on that. Um, that he the, the the British accent is not really that in full force in this movie. Mm. So so this just occurred to me as I was just giving it a rewatch, literally while we were doing intros. Is Escape from L.A. in the same continuity as Escape from New York? It is, unfortunately, yeah. So, <laughs> they've made two separate prison cities in this world? You know what's funny? Molly and I have goofed on the on Escape from L.A. so much during the course of this show. We're not going to be covering it. I, I <laughs> really don't like that movie at all. I think it's one of the worst sequels ever made. And I haven't seen it in so long. I actually forgot. Is L.A. a prison in that movie? I honestly yes. don't remember. It is? Yes. Okay. Uh, an earthquake, I want to say, uh, basically rips L.A. off of California uh, and they make it. Awesome. All right. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. I guess they ran out of room maybe in Manhattan prison. I, I don't remember the premise. I just I saw it when it came out. I think I watched it again on cable a couple years later and I've sworn off it since. I, I remember very, very few things about it. Um, I think a basketball was involved somewhere in there. And at the end of the movie, he puts, I, th- <sighs> well, he does something I, where like he, he turns off like all the electricity in the country or something. Yeah. Cause there's a device that basically is like a targeted EMP. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I think that's the big MacGuffin is a targeted EMP device. 
And they say, you know, anything from like one guy's taxi cab to the whole world. And he ends the movie by putting in the whole world code and saying right. something like, welcome to Earth. And, you know, <laughs> gravelly Kurt Russell voice. And uh, Uncle Ben plays the evil president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said Uncle Ben. I'm like, the rice guy? <laughs> uh, but that's... Molly, that's... we completely sidetracked. You were starting to make a point like three no, minutes ago. No, no. <laughs> you I'm... were starting to make a salient point. Yeah. No, no, not really. Just, just starting it out, uh, the first line of this minute is housing you're gonna kill me now snake and snake is like i'm basically too tired to deal with your shit right now um <laughs> and a really nice kind of half clint eastwood sort of gravelly voice which is really pleasant but yeah this is their their last little little showdown here yeah well we did talk about back at the beginning of the movie when snake said to hauk you know when i come back i'm gonna kill you if people watching this movie for the first time back in 1981 whether they thought at that point, will Snake really kill Hauk when he gets back inevitably at the end of the movie? And at this point, at, uh, if you've watched the whole movie, there's no way you're thinking Snake is going to kill Hauk anymore. At least I don't think so. No, and I don't know that I ever thought that would actually happen. That would be pretty shocking to me. Yeah. Um, and especially considering, I mean, I think it's warranted. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we, we do progress here to you know, Hauk offering him a job. Yeah. I, doing what? I have no idea. Yeah. Black ops. I mean... Like, on an ad, ad hoc basis, just as needed, kind of? Yeah, I, I mean, I would imagine any government is going to have black ops that, they, that need carrying out, you know. Um, just the sorts of things that you don't... He's, he's, he, they want him to be an expendable asset, right? Yes. So they need to go, you know, neutralize a foreign agent in some country. But if the guy gets captured, they want to be able to disavow him easily. So he would be an easily disavowable assassin type person. So then if that's the case, I wonder if this is offer is coming from Hauk, who ultimately is all he is, is the warden of this prison. Or is this an offer coming from the president or the secretary of state through Hauk? Because mm. I don't know what other jobs Hauk specifically could have for Snake, unless Hauk's getting a promotion because he handled his job so well and uh, he's going to move up the chain now. Mm. Well, I, I mean, Hauk had the ability to arrange a presidential pardon, so he clearly has some degree of stroke within the government. Mm. You know, uh, so either influence or he's friends with influential people. So yeah. Yeah. Or here's another thought, because this regime is uh, really shaky and, you know, maybe somebody's looking at a power vacuum and they're looking for, you know, to, to recruit people who are loyal or can go along with a certain ride. You know, I can see Hauk wanting to, uh, you know, maybe promote himself, so to speak, and looking for people to come along with him. Uh well, I mean, how's going to stage a coup? Well, not necessarily stage a coup, but, you know, this is... And, of course, we don't know what's going to happen here in another, you know, 45 seconds <laughs> in movie time. But, you know, the president's kind of a jackass. And so when you have somebody who's weak in power, uh, I think it lends itself to other people making plans. 
And, you know, whether he's attaching himself to those people who are making plans, who knows? But, you know, people are people in positions of power tend to be forward thinking and tend mm. to be testing the waters and, and the political landscape. And so, I'm, I mean, I'm really just postulating here. There's there's no real basis for this. But, you know, that's that's something I was considering here, too. Just, you know, can just knowing how crappy Donald Pleasance is and that kind of the, the writings on the wall here. Uh, oh, actually, funny segue. Speaking of writings on the wall, I like this futuristic font of air traffic control mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to help us know that we're in the future. <laughs> and this is how they write on walls is in this blocky kind of computer font because future. Yeah. Well, they're also very much into logos because you can barely see it. But just off to the left here as we start, like about two seconds in, you can see the uh, United States Air Force not Air Force, uh, police force logo. And those logos are everywhere. Like even the president suiting up, there was a logo behind him. You know, there's logos on the badges. They there's, I mean, and I've made this joke a bunch of times during the, the run of this podcast, but it's kind of like space balls. It's like space balls, the toilet paper, space balls, the flamethrower. And that's definitely these guys. They will logo find everything. It's as I was paused here, uh, with the shot of the American flag in the background, I had to try and count the stars because for a second it looked like there were more on it than uh than 50 i'm like are, wait did they did they subtly suggest that this alternate future has like 53 states on it but no it is 50 it just looked especially white and bright to me hmm. although that is although if they had done that that is something alex else that would have screamed future hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or, or yeah at least alternate or alternate world, like in Watchmen, where the U.S. Right. flag is 51 stars because Vietnam, we won. Right. And uh, this, uh, I, I feel like uh, a while ago, we talked a, a little bit about this, that this offering the job, regardless of, of what rationale is and what his motivations are, ultimately, Hauk, Snake has earned Hauk's respect. Hauk would not, regardless of whether this is Hauk doing it and why he's doing it or if someone else put him up to it, Hauk would not be offering to have Snake come work for him if he didn't respect him. And mm-hmm. so, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he's like, you know, I'm ready to kick your ass out of this World War hero. And he respects him now so much that he wants him to come work for him. Oh, it's such a dick thing. I mean, I it's just a testament to Snake's. Well, he's got a, you know, card in his back sleeve. But, you know, yeah. it's just Earth's back pocket. It just, oh, my God. Like, he just so deserves to, like, kick Hauk in the balls at this point. You know, <laughs> after all of this. You know, and then to be offered a job on the other side. Oh, my God. Yeah, I I do kind of wish not that he I don't I wouldn't have wanted him necessarily kill how, but just like either punch him or give him like that fake punch or make him flinch, you know, like just something to just take him down a a half a peg. Mm hmm. Well, I like how, you know, Snake isn't even looking at him during this whole conversation. He's staring off into space while they're talking and he doesn't look at him until Hauk says we'd make a great team. And that's what finally gets Snake to look at him, almost like, are you kidding me, asshole? (laughs) We would make a great team? And that's, I think, when the move would have been to, yeah, go in and just knock him down or something like that. Yeah, because it's such an incredibly appalling thought. And just, like, so tone-deaf and and crazy. Like, this would definitely... And and I just... I I think this just really speaks to his character of being a complete and total badass, that he doesn't just lose his shit and go after him, you know? Yeah, and um, I know we've talked, obviously, a lot over the course of the show about the various things John Carpenter used as as influences on this movie. And uh, one thing uh, we haven't mentioned, there's a book 
I've never read it. I don't know, I don't know anything about it, but uh, just in doing research for this, there's a book called Planet of the Damned that John Carpenter said he was heavily influenced by. And hmm. uh, so I'm just reading this from online. So if someone's read this book and, and the online description is off, um, blame the Internet, not me. <laughs> uh, it, it's about a man who had no choice but to help the government against his moral code in order to right societal wrongs in a post-apocalyptic world. So that's, you know, vaguely in a nutshell, what Snake kind of has done. And it's definitely what Hauk is asking him to do. And Snake, however, is rejecting that. He's it's like, you know, I'm not going to help the government. I don't give a shit. I, I, I did it this one time. I'm a free man now because I got the pardon. Get out of my face. Mm. Well, he was, I mean... Snake Plissken was former Special Forces, so at one point he was at least in service to the government. Yes, pre-disillusionment. Yeah. And I guess we can't really call him Snake anymore, because <laughs> uh, he tells Hauk now, actually, the name's Plissken. <laughs> so, Brad, I think we have to change our uh, go back and change the intro to every single episode of this entire show. And I'm sorry. Uh, you're going to have to uh, start editing now, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason why the whole we we could be a great team thing feels so shoddy because Pliskin clearly doesn't care about, you know, do it for your country. He doesn't seem like a guy that would, you know, be doing thing, truly be like a soldier for hire kind of a thing. So essentially, the only thing how could motivate him with is more, you know, uh, things like injecting him with micro explosives or. Escape from LA. I think they inject him with like a virus or something like that. Uh, you know that sort of a thing. So snakes, <laughs> he, he's definitely in that hole. Yeah, no, I don't want to be on your team. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's. I mean, to have a, a government that's that, you know, corrupt, and I think is a for a guy who was already super had trust broken. You know, and and this isn't. I mean, he's not like. <sighs> He's not like a Xenia on a top from Goldeneye who I think just enjoys the work, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that, you know, he's got a very particular honed skill set. But I think, you know, I think there's honor amongst thieves. And I think that this government is so shitty that he just can't be a company man anymore. And, you know, and, and I don't know why he would, in, in any universe with Hauk offering him this, that, that he would, you know, with, with Snake's background, Snake would be like, oh yeah, cool, you know, I'm let's do this, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, I mean, the man survived Manhattan prison, like, I don't think he needs Hauk, I think he can go find a job, you know, he can go work it out. So, that raises, I guess, an interesting question then. What does Pliskin do from here? Hmm. Since, save that for tomorrow, save that oh, for tomorrow. Save it for tomorrow. All right, I'll put that in my back pocket. Yeah, save that one. <laughs> um, we cut to the president. We end this minute with the president. He's introducing the cassette. He's all spiffy looking. And based on what he's saying here, and based on a, a, a lot of the dialogue over the course of this movie, the president of the United States basically was being a courier for this cassette tape. That, that's essentially why he was flying on Air Force One at the beginning of the movie. He's like, I will not be here, but let me play this cassette for you. So he was just, he was a courier. So I know this is probably a question for way, way, way earlier in the movie. But since we brought it up, if you've got an entire island that's a prison, why would you fly Air Force One anywhere near it? Um, Remotely near it. 
Yeah, mm. well, they were flying the so the summits in Hartford, Connecticut. If we assume they're coming from DC to get to Hartford, in theory, you do not have to go directly above New York City. You can swing out over the water and do that. But the plane was hijacked, so yeah, the the hijackers could have altered the course of the plane. I guess, but. And I, I guess that's really the answer is the hijackers altered yeah. the course. But just in general, I wouldn't fly the plane anywhere near like like anything that is within any kind of range of any armament or any anything near New York. Like if I'm flying D.C. to Hartford, I'm going D.C. to Hartford by way of Cleveland. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like we'll take the long way around because that entire island is a cesspool. <laughs> now i like to ask uh, all our guests um well not all our guests most of our guests i like <laughs> to tie in their shows uh with ours and the the obvious question here is the president in our movie is just such a completely just incompetent spineless buffoon who john carpenter wrote to just be made in a complete ass of at every possible turn and compare it to independence day where we have quite possibly the greatest movie present in the history of hollywood uh give us your thoughts on the comparison of president whitmore versus our our lovely president here actually the way that you describe uh president uh, pleasance for lack of a better word, um, is how President Whitmore is described at the beginning of Independence. Oh, that's right. The McLaughlin group. Yes. Yeah, he's he's described as he was a war hero, uh, but he is in over his head in the world of politics and he is spineless and he is too willing to compromise. And it's only through the events of the movie and the Harvester invasion that we see his spine reemerge. So actually, Donald Plett, so then that's a real contrast then, because there we've got a president who, over the course of the movie, does change. Mm. And here we've got a a president, over the course of the movie, is exactly the same, and his experience hasn't changed him at all. Whereas over the course of Independence Day, President Whitmore turns into more of a snake plissken. Yes, and gives one of the greatest uh, rousing speeches. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Uh, all right. Anything else for this minute? Huh? No, no, not much. Um, no, 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 no. I'll save it for next minute. Not much. No. Yeah, I'm gonna save mine for next minute as well. Yeah. All I'm right. Good. All right. Cool. Uh, Alex, tell everyone where they can get Independence Day Minute and also your other movie by minute podcast. Uh, yeah. So Independence Day Minute on a podcatcher near you, iTunes, uh, Google Play, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also check out Galaxy Quest Minute, which has completed its full run. Um, that also is on a podcatcher near you. All right. Great. Alex will be with us all week here as we almost wrap our main feature up uh come on facebook and talk about uh whatever you want to at this point brains library the escape from new york minute hangout send us a tweet on twitter ny minute pod it's not too late to rate and review and quite frankly it's not even too late to subscribe you won't miss the last few episodes so until then uh if you do any of that if you don't do any of that either way be on time stay out of the sewers and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall (laughs) 